Well, welcome. If you're a guest or a visitor, we're so excited that you came and spent some time with us today. Uh, we are live online on Facebook, and so if you're listening online, if you're watching, stay with us. Don't give up. Uh, hopefully, it'll be worth your time as we get through the end, and so we're excited for the opportunity to be able to, uh, to do that. So we are more than halfway through the, the New Testament now in our journey through the New Testament. And so we are going to, we're going to spend some time in Matthew today, the Gospel of Matthew. So if you brought a Bible with you, if you have access to it on your phone, uh, go to the book of Matthew and go to Matthew chapter 11. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, we're going to focus uh, in uh, three verses, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. We're going to spend a lot of time in those, get a little bit of background, a uh, little bit of stuff that happens before this, a little stuff that happens afterwards. And so, uh, just once again, I, it has been really, really exciting to just read God's Word, just read it like a story, and just read it, and a lot of it at one time. And it's been, it's been encouraging. So hopefully you are tracking along. Hopefully you're having some, some good uh, discussion time in your community groups if you're able to get to those. If you have been going to a community group and you feel like God has really been using that time, I want to know, I want to know because I want you to share a testimony on April the 2nd, okay, April the 2nd, uh, we're going to just have some people just share about what God has been doing uh, to them and through them through this study that we've been doing. So April the 2nd, kind of like we'll finish all of our time in the New Testament. And so if that's you, don't, just like what Emma did, just a short, short little testimony. This is what God is speaking to me through this, this time. So I want you to be sure to let me know that, all right? I want to make sure you have a good, good um, participation there. Because I think it's great to hear your story. You get to hear me all the time. But I want to hear what you have to say and what God has been uh, speaking to you about. So let's jump in. Let me pray, and we'll jump, jump right into Matthew. So God, we praise you. We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for just, you are concerned about the smallest details, uh, Lord, and the biggest issues in our life and everything in between. And we thank you that you give us uh, your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you give us one another to be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other. Help us to bear one another's burdens today. <clears throat> Lord, right now we pray specifically for Brady Rogers, who had to go to the urgency room today, because, urgent care, because of his, he's got bronchitis, he's not feeling good. God, would you heal him? He's busy, he's got so much to do and prepare for. Lord, would you just help heal his body? Thank you for all those that are here today that come in with some, some concern and some issues in their life, and they, maybe they feel like nobody else gets it or understands, or maybe they feel like they're all alone, but we know that's not true. And we all have a lot of, we all have stories, we all have uh, some things in common, God, that we can just share with one another. And when we open up and share those things, we find healing because we realize we're not alone. God, would you speak to us through your word today? Would you use uh, my lips, Lord, to be a vessel to, for you? And uh, would we hear it and would we obey it? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at somebody next to you and just say, man, I'm really glad you're here today. Like, like, it means a lot to me that you're here today. Tina, you're, you're kind of, look, look back to Tracy. Tra look on your other corner. Tracy, look forward to Tina right there. Just tell her, like, hey, I'm glad you're here today. <laughs> I 
awesome listening to you guys share with one another. So Matthew tells the story of Jesus from a very um, distinct Jewish perspective. Now Matthew's a really unlikely character, if you know anything about him, to even be a part of this narrative. Like why would Jesus even pick Matthew to be a follower of his? He was not like the best of the best. He was, he was kind of a lowlife. He was a tax collector and nobody would want anything to do with someone like him. Um, but, uh, but he was chosen to be a follower of Jesus and through, whether he wrote it with his own hands or through just him sharing stories and a collaboration, this gospel was written to the Jewish people. It's arranged in five major sections, not unlike the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And so it's kind of interesting that uh, Jesus, obviously, born into that culture, knew the story. He obviously was the story <laughs> in flesh, and he is going to reveal a new way to live, a new way to live. Like the Torah was the guide for the Jewish people to live. Like this is your way. Follow the Torah, live this way. Well, Jesus comes onto the scene and says, I am the way. And as you follow me, you will be following my teachings and my guide and my leading. So if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a follower of this new way. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish. He says, I've come to fulfill all of it, and now I want you to follow me. So like I said before, it's like the word made flesh. It's the Bible with skin on. Here's a, here's a fleshly revelation of who this God is and how he wants you to live. That's our calling as modern-day Christians is to follow the teachings of Jesus. To say that you're a Christian is to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, not a follower of the world systems or this particular political party or whatever. I follow Jesus. And as I follow Jesus, I function in those categories. I am a follower, or I'm a husband or a wife or a, a student or a whatever. I am a follower of Jesus first, and he is the one who guides me. And so we are a member of a kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom than the, than the world that we live in. But that's who we are, right? That's our identity. And so we've got to make sure we understand that before we go any further. And so he gives some, some, um, some significance to, um, to prayer, like we see in Matthew chapter 6, where he talks about the Lord's Prayer, which I think is one of the reasons why we pray it every single Sunday morning. Because there's, uh, there's some real power in this, this, uh, this sense of saying, Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're asking for, his kingdom to come. His, his uh, a full revelation of how it is that he wants us to live here on earth. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we get a picture of what life will be like when this new kingdom comes and when his will is being done. So in this kingdom, this comes from the book of Matthew, this is from one of Jesus' famous sermons, Sermon on the Mount. In this kingdom, so get this picture, this is the kingdom that we're living in, he says there is a deep sense of joy, that's what it means to be blessed, or blessed are, when you hear that word blessed, it's a deep sense of joy for those that are poor in spirit, or in other words, come spiritually bankrupt. Like we come into this place to Jesus with absolutely nothing to offer him. 
I mean, think about it. We don't walk in here thinking, well, man, Jesus is lucky I'm here today because I have so much to give. And reality is, that's just not true. Like, if I ever start feeling that way, somebody needs to slap me because that's when, that's when we're going to be going the wrong direction. But instead, I need to be in this spiritual brain, not being like sinful and just doing crazy stuff, but just saying, God, I have nothing really to offer you. All I have is, my, is myself. And would you please fill me up? And it says, when we come spiritually bankrupt, it says that Jesus then is the one who gives us the kingdom of heaven. It's like when we come with nothing, he gives us everything. And I love that, that picture. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, c- contrast in this particular passage of Scripture. And when he says those who mourn are the ones who are comforted. You have a deep sense of joy when you mourn because then you get comfort. When you empty yourself, God fills you up with comfort. He says those who are meek, gentle, and humble those are the ones that will inherit the earth. And listen what it means when it, to come to, to him meek and gentle and humble. Now, for us guys, we are, it's funny, we were praying about this before church this morning. We were thinking about, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And, you know, we think it means to be tough. And, you know, I've got the, uh, the um, what did someone say earlier today? They said, you, Brady, you look like a... Um, a forest ranger, like you're dressed in a forest ranger outfit. Yeah, this is, this is the forest ranger edition. Uh, you know, look here, camper, whatever, outdoorsman, which I am not any of those things. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that's true. But we think it's a being powerful and manly, you know. Well, he says that you should be meek and hum- gentle and humble. And here's what it's talking about. It says it's having the right or the power to do something but refraining for the benefit of someone else. That's what it means to be meek. I mean, I think of, I see Nick, and Nick's a police officer. Man, he has the power and the authority in some ways to just to enforce that upon people. And then being able to hold back and with, and with restraint is being meek. For men, we, we could all learn something from that. Deep joy comes not from getting our way. Deep joy comes from serving others. And Jesus modeled that for us. And he has given us uh, an example to follow. And when Jesus modeled that kind of servanthood and that kind of humility, the Bible says he was given the name that is above all names. There is a blessing and a reward for living that way. And he's encouraging us to do that. For us, it says right here, for they will inherit the earth. Those who, are hunger, or those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it says they will be filled. Those that are merciful will be shown mercy. And in this kingdom, the pure in heart are the ones that will see God. You know, in Psalm 24, it says, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. It is this person that is able to be in the presence of God. I ran across a short little little blip from a poem by a guy named John Keeble. And it says, Still to the lowly soul he doth himself impart, and for his dwelling and his throne chooseth, chooseth the pure in heart. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for the, the humble. He's looking for the pure. And then in that place he dwells. The peacemakers in this kingdom will be called children of God. 
And those who are persecuted because of righteousness, it says, possess the kingdom of heaven. Let's read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Let's get it up on the screen. Do we have it? Okay, let me step back where I can see it. Okay, we want to read it together, okay? So let's go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's do it one more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is Jesus speaking. So what is the, what is the invitation from the very beginning of this passage of Scripture? What is he asking you to do? Come. It's active participation. Christianity is actively participating in this way of life. It's not sitting back and waiting and watching. And Jesus, in this particular passage, he tells the people to come to him. It's, it's, really, it's really a sense of, okay, so you've been following all these other teachers and all these other things, and you've been distracted by all this other stuff going on around you, but Jesus says, I want you to stop, and I want you to come to me. Get up from where you're at and come to me. So when we do that, when we listen to that and when we obey that, because I think it's, a, it's obviously a choice that we have to make, then we reap the benefits of that. So let me just, we'll unpack this a little bit for you today. Jesus wasn't speaking of physical burdens in this passage, by the way. Though, I believe he definitely wants us to bring all of our junk to him. I do believe that's true. But maybe, maybe you already know this, but just because we are followers of Jesus doesn't mean that everything in life is going to be easy. Can I get an amen? If you have come to Jesus thinking, man, I'm just going to pray that prayer, I'm going to just like... Give my heart to Jesus, and man, everything's going to be awesome. I'm not even going to have to go to work anymore. Money's just going to come into my bank account. People are going to bring me meals every day. This is the life. If that's being preached anywhere, it is false. <laughs> and it's just not true. And that's not, the, what, that's not the life God calls us to. We, all of us, as we unpack our story, can, can just reveal some of the difficult things that we have had to walk through. And maybe, especially since you really started getting serious about Jesus. I see it happen so many times. Someone says, yeah, man, I gave my life to Jesus and my life fell apart. You know, at the beginning. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized that God was there the whole time walking me with, walking me through this and, and he was sustaining me and he was comforting me. Like all these things that I just got through reading, all this stuff became to be true. Like I really did start to, to feel comfort when I mourned. And I really started to feel all these things that the Bible promises. But it's not going to happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. 
And I think it's a false gospel when we tell people that it's all going to be okay as soon as you give your life to Jesus. Now, eternally, healing from the, the most devastating disease of all does happen at the moment of salvation. You are free from sin and set apart and made holy and, and a place reserved for you in heaven. That's incredible. That's like the greatest disease that we can be cured from anyway, and that is sin. And that is good news. And if that's all we ever receive from Jesus, that's enough. Right? That's enough. Friday morning, I had the opportunity to preach to, I don't know how many people were at this online prayer gathering in Pakistan, and it was awkward and kind of weird because it was, I wasn't present with them, but I was there verbally and audibly, and, and I, my picture was up on the wall. It was just weird because I was on video. And I shared this message with them. I said, you know what? If I prayed and all of you were healed physically, but I didn't deal with your sin you'd still be miserable. You would just be able to walk better. But it's only Jesus who can forgive sin, and it's, that is the greatest disease of all mankind. And every single one of us need to call upon Jesus to find that healing and that forgiveness. But once we do that, we realize that all life is not going to be perfect. There's going to be some struggle. There are people this day in the world we live in who are literally giving up their life for the sake of the gospel. They are literally giving up their family and all comfort and all connection with people that love them because they've chosen Jesus first. It's true. You know, G Jesus is not physically here, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is through you. And though Jesus is not here to bear all of your burdens, but we are here to bear one another's burdens. And that's, the Bible says that we fulfill the law of Christ when we do that. There's someone within my sight right now, it's I spy. <laughs> I spy someone in this room that is sitting next to someone else that has helped bearing their burden. They're encouraging them, lifting them up praying for them, supporting them, sharing a meal with them. That's how we are Jesus to each other. That's the calling he has for us. And so when life gets hard, we're there to help one another. We see it in spouses. We see it in friendships. We see it in peer groups, college students encouraging one another. So Jesus wasn't necessarily saying, bring all of your physical burdens. He's, he's, instead, he was talking about, bring this burden that the Pharisees have yoked upon you. Bring this, this burden of self-righteousness and legalistic law-keeping. All, all of the stuff that they have piled on you and saying, you have to, you have to follow in order for, to, for God to love you. He's saying, bring that burden to me. It has been said that uh, the Pharisees added over 600 regulations just regarding what was qualified as working on the Sabbath. 600 different regulations, what would be considered working on the Sabbath. That's just one little area of the law. Talk about a burden. Can you imagine if we handed out to you today 600 additional things you need to do in order to really follow Jesus today? Good luck. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, it's so heavy. You have, you have burdened these people. And he's telling them, what was the invitation? What did he say? 
Come to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and what is his promise? He says, I'll give you what? Rest. Is the verse still up there? He says, I'll give you rest. In Matthew 22, uh, verse 36, there was a, a man who came to Jesus and he says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, what, what are, what's the greatest commandments? What, is, what do I need? Like, give me the bare minimum. <laughs> give me, like, the few laws, the one things I really have to follow. Because, man, 600 is way too many. Just tell me the, the few things that I have to do. He was looking for the, uh, the uh, loophole. <laughs> and then Jesus gives him the answer. He tells him, well... The commandments are this, love God, love others. Because the reality in this culture that they're living in, no matter how many commandments that they kept, none of them were enough to earn their salvation. Because salvation doesn't come by works. It comes through faith. It comes through faith in the one who's asking them to come to him. It comes through faith in Jesus. Jesus was speaking to men who were desperately seeking God and desperately trying to be good enough Are you there? Have you ever felt that way? Man, I'm just trying to be good enough, man. And every time I try to be good enough, I just mess it up again and again and again. So Jesus says, come and and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. As a rabbi, his yoke would be his his way of life, his teachings, his worldview, his applications of these teachings, his, like, his, not only his words, but his actions. And Jesus, when he says, follow me, he says, literally, follow me, walk with me. And this would be the way that rabbi would encourage you to live. So think about that. So Jesus has this system, this, this thing that he wants to put in place, and he's saying, I want you to live like this. I want you to come to me. I'm going to give you rest. I want you to take my yoke. I want you to take off the yoke of the Pharisees, this burden, and I want you to put on mine. So I want to share some words that are uh, from a sermon from a guy named William Barclay. And listen to what he says about the yoke. He says, my yoke is easy. The word easy in the Greek is krestos, which means well-fitting, okay? So, well-fitting yoke. In Palestine, ox yokes were made of wood, and the ox was brought, and the measurements were taken, and then the yoke was then roughed out of wood based on those measurements. It was like a, it was like a tailored suit <laughs> just for this particular ox. And then the yoke was tried on, make sure that it fit well, the yoke was carefully adjusted so that it would fit well and not harm this patient beast. It was tailor-made to fit it. There is legend that Jesus made the best ox yokes in Galilee and that from all over the country, men came to Jesus to buy the best yokes that skill can make. In those days, as now, shops had their signs above the door And it has been suggested that the sign above the door of the carpenter shop in Nazareth may well have been, my yokes fit well. Imagine his Facebook page (laughs) or his Twitter handle. My yoke fits well. 
Jesus says to these, these people, he's saying, come to me. He's telling them, my yoke fits well. It means that this life that I have for you is not a burden to harm you. But this task that I have for each one of you is measured to fit you perfectly. I mean, think about that. Where you are right now, not like sitting in this chair. (laughs) Maybe it is part of that. But where God has placed you, in the family that he's placed you in, in the career that he's placed you in, in the marriage, in the relationship, he's made it just for you. And I think that's comforting. It's comforting to me as a pastor because sometimes I feel the pressure of wanting to wear some other pastor's yoke to be like them. To do it like they do it. And, it, and it's, not, it's not necessary. It's not even really productive because it doesn't fit me. This yoke that he's given me fits me perfectly. And whatever God sends us into he has fit us perfectly to meet that need whatever it is that you're doing and he's and your abilities and your your personality all those things are a perfect fit so jesus says my burden is light and i love what it says what uh william barclay is saying he says as a rabbi had it he says my burden has become my song It's not that the burden is easy to carry, but it's laid on us in love. It's meant to be carried in love, and love makes even the heaviest burden light. When we remember the love of God, we know that our burden is to love God and to love men. Then the burden becomes a song. (laughs) It is the answer that Jesus gave the man who was wanting to know what the minimum requirement was for his obedience. Jesus says, oh yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Just love God with everything you have, and then love others. There's an old story which tells how a man came upon a little boy carrying still a smaller boy who was lame, and he was carrying the boy upon his back. And the old man said, that's a heavy burden for you to carry. And the little boy looked up and said, that's no a burden, because that's my wee brother. The burden which is given in love and carried in love is always light. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a song that came out the year that I was born, in 1980. (laughs) If you believe that story, I got a few more for you. The song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. You know that song? Yeah, how many of you, raise your hand if you don't know that song? I want to see the younger generation. Justin, you don't know that song? <laughs> is that a lie or is that true? <laughs> but you know, this song literally came out of a, um, uh, really came from a story about a, a little girl in a Scottish village that actually was carrying her, her baby brother that was, was so big <laughs> that, uh, that she could barely carry him. And someone saw her and said, hey, it's a heavy burden. She says, it's not, he's not heavy, he's my brother. And so listen to just a few lyrics from this song. And if you, have, if you don't know the song, it's by the Hollies. It was made popular by Neil Diamond, too, I think, in 1970 or something. So on we go. 
His welfare is of my concern. No burden is he to bear. We'll get there, for I know he would not encumber me. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. If I'm laden at all, I'm laden with the sadness. Now listen to this. I thought this was so powerful. I'm laden with the sadness that everyone's heart isn't filled with the gladness of love for one another. Jesus carried the burden, the greatest burden of all, that we were meant to carry, and that is our sin. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17 or in 5.17, it says that he became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, that's the great exchange in this kingdom. Jesus, who knew no sin, becomes sin on our behalf. He bears our greatest burden in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that an incredible thought? I mean, the fact that Jesus took this yoke that was placed upon us that did not fit well, though deserved, our own sin. But it did not fit well. It hurt when we lived. It hurt when we moved. And Jesus removes it and instead places on us a righteousness that is fit perfectly for you and me. In order that we might live a life in this kingdom, that brings glory and honor to him by loving him first, loving him back, and by loving others. It's this reality alone that makes the burden of this life so light. It's this reality that uh, the fact that he loved us, that we in turn ought to offer ourselves back to him in worship. In Romans 12, it calls it a living sacrifice. At the end of Matthew, in chapter 25, Jesus gives us some pretty clear marching orders of what his expectations are for the residents in this kingdom. We are given some real practical ways to love others. In this passage of Scripture, and I encourage you to to read it on your own, In this passage of Scripture, you're going to find it's the least of these passage. It's where Jesus says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. And isn't it interesting that he separates the people, sheep and goats, on the right and on the left, based on the reality is, did you do these things while you were in the kingdom? Did you give clothes to those who were naked? Did you give a place to live to those who had no place to go? Did you give a drink of water to the thirsty, food to the hungry? Did you go visit me when I was sick? Did you go visit me when I was in prison? And they're like, well, Jesus, when did we see you in all these all these ways, we, we never saw you. Like, surely, Jesus, if we would have saw you, we would have been there. We would have definitely stopped what we were doing, right, to go minister to Jesus. But Jesus says, no, 
whatever you've done for the least of these in the kingdom, you've done it unto me. And he says, he separates people based on that truth. This is the one time in your life where you don't want to be the goat. You know what goat stands for? Have you ever heard this phrase? The greatest of all time? Not in this kingdom. (laughs) You don't want to be the goat. (laughs) By the way, Jesus was the greatest of all time. So anybody that claims that they are, they're wrong. There was a story, and I'll finish up with this. There was a story told by a great rabbi who survived this terrible fire in his neighborhood. Many lives were lost and homes were burned up. And many thought that it was because of this man's position or his merits that he was spared. His life was spared because of the great person that he was. But in reality, truth, the truth came out that he wasn't spared because of those things. He was spared because he lived next to a lady that would often warm her oven and then open her door and make it available to anyone who had need. See, that's the true power in this kingdom. And that is the message for me And that is the message for all of you. And it's this truth. Do what I have, does what I have, my possessions, my gifts, my talents, for one, do they belong to the Lord? And for two, do they belong to others that God has placed in my life? That's the question. And as we do an inventory, as we look around in our life and the things that we, we possess and the gifts God has given us, the, the resources he's given us, I want to I challenge you today and ask yourself, do they belong to the Lord? Am I making them available? Am I willing to let others have them if they need them? See, in this kingdom, when you start to live that way, here's what you're going to get you're going to get a deep sense of joy. A deep sense of joy that only comes from the Father in heaven. He's the only one that can give you that. You can't find it here on earth. It's not available in a store. It's not available at Amazon. It's only available through him. So, Tony, you guys come. So the invitation is still the same as it was for them back then. Jesus says, come. Come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. And if you're burdened from just trying to be good enough or, or burdened from whatever it is that's going on in your life, he says, come and find rest. You can find that by, uh, by just coming and praying on your own or asking someone else to pray with you. Remember, we're supposed to bear one another bur- one another's burdens, so just grab somebody else and say, hey, would you come and pray with me? Listen, that's normal Christianity. Lone Ranger Christianity is not true at all. 
We need one another. Uh, maybe, maybe you're the one that needs to be carried today. <laughs> and someone needs to say to you, you ain't heavy. You're my brother. <laughs> you're my sister. Or maybe you're the one that said, I'm willing to carry whoever's, whoever's here, whoever's available. I'm willing to. So if you, if you want to pray for someone, come and get ready to pray. If you want to be prayed for, come. 